Canada is suffering from a crisis of its own making. The prospects for major natural resources projects in Canada are in danger as Bill C-69 has wound its way through the legislative process. The bill followed word that announcements of new energy and mining projects in this country slowed after 2015. Between 2017 and 2018, the planned investment value of major projects in the sector plunged by $100 billion. That's about 4.5% of Canada's GDP. Grant Bishop and Grant Sprague are warning that the federal government's proposed bill would further discourage investment in the sector by gumming up the assessment process with public policy concerns that are not tied to the project under review and exacerbate the political uncertainty for those trying to get a project off the ground thanks to what appears to be what the pair call a highly subjective standard for approval. I sat down with the co-author Grant Bishop to discuss the future of natural resources projects in our country as Bill C-69 passed third reading in the Senate. It's now a game of beat the clock to get that bill passed before summer recess with all those changes. Bishop tells me the biggest concern he has after investigating Bill C-69 is how easily a project could be kiboshed over partisan politics regardless of the merits of the plan. Well, and what the government uh, proposed, what went through the House as legislation last year, had a high amount of political discretion in the decision-making to approve any project under the Act. And I think that's, that's worrisome because it uh, amplifies the uncertainty that proponents, those looking to develop major projects, face when uh, thinking about getting one of these going. Um, if, if you face the risk that you're going to have politically driven uh, quashing of a major project, you're going to be more unlikely to undertake it. And, you know, what we'd seen in the Canadian economy in the last years with major projects was a huge downdraft in those being proposed. Uh, there was about a hundred uh, billion uh, plunge in the uh, projects in the natural resource sector that were planned for the next 10 years. And that started in 2015, and there seemed to be a catalyst for that. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw the new additions to the pro major projects list slow down in 2015, and then it fell, um, fell off hugely in uh, 2017 and 2018 as there were projects being completed and canceled. That's where we see the 100 billion drop. But from 2015 onward, there was a slowdown in those new projects being proposed. A lot of those were in the energy sector and particularly in upstream uh, oil and gas. Th that followed a global uh, plunge in prices. But in Canada, unlike um, the United States and globally, we haven't seen investment in the oil and gas sector recover. Um, in, in the rest of the world, you're seeing a lift off the, uh, the, the trough of investment in uh, oil and gas. In Canada, uh, we still remain stagnant. This political uncertainty that you write about has everything to do with that subjective public interest standard, something that we we didn't really have to address before. It seems like there's a cart before the horse scenario where a political individual gets to make a decision before those who are the actual authorities on any environmental review or social review have had their say. The President Act, the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act 2012, you know, provides for political decision making at the end of the process after 
an independent agency has had its say on whether the project has significant adverse environmental effects or not. Uh, the present act asks the you know, political decision maker, whether the minister or cabinet, to make a determination whether those significant adverse environmental effects are justified. The, the Impact Assessment Act proposed under Bill C-69 by the present government as, as passed in the House um, did away with that, that uh, separation. It no longer had that significant threshold uh, for political decision makers weighing in. Uh, instead, it put everything to a public interest test, as you said, that asked the political decision maker to, to weigh the factors and make a call on whether to approve or deny a particular project. And that puts every project from this point forward um, at the mercy of the populism of the day. And I think that is what is worrisome to project proponents, that you're not going to have um, regulatory certainty you know, you, we, we have to have environmental assessment proceeds to ensure that um, the, the effects of a project, a major project, are, um, are identified and any, um, any mitigation is done to bring those to an acceptable, um, acceptable level. There are going to be projects that do cause significant uh, effects. And for those projects, there is a, a balancing of trade-offs that needs to be made. But, I mean, good environmental assessment is going to um, ensure that, you know, you reveal the so-called externalities of a particular project. You deal with the, in, in economic terms, information asymmetries between uh, project proponents who know the technical details of their project and stakeholders who, uh, who are not as technically adept. Um, ensure um, you know transparent process for revealing any anything that, that could cause harm, but to, I mean to the extent that a project does not cause significant adverse environmental effects, proponents should have expectation that they're not going to face uh, political variability. And of course, we we now see elections in which politicians pronounce on whether they would approve this project or not. That's hardly evidence-based decision-making in the fray of the hustings. I think project proponents facing that kind of uncertainty will be more unlikely to propose new projects in Canada. And that, I think, is seen in, in the chilling of investment Canada has witnessed for resource projects in the last four years. Is this ironic or is this Alanis Morissette ironic? Because I thought the purpose of Bill C-69 was to help ensure there was an element of clarity when it came to the approvals process in the first place. Because as we saw post-2015, when a lot of these pipeline projects and other projects were shot down uh, due to the lack of consultation with Indigenous peoples in this country, that we needed some sort of clear framework for determining which project would get a green light and which one wouldn't. That is what everyone was seeking, clarity around the path to approval. I should say that was what industry was seeking. I, I can't speak to exactly why the present government designed the legislation they put forward the way that they did, but you saw in the strong reaction from the energy sector to the legislation um, indications that the government had not done its due diligence with respect to um, what this was going to mean for a major part of our economy. Um, there, there certainly was, I think, a, a politically motivated push to revamp environmental 
assessment to respond to certain stakeholders that were against, um, or certain members of the public that were against particular projects, particularly pipelines that had, had been approved by former governments or, or, or this government. That rush to uh, respond to, you know, particular groups' um, requests for revisions, I think, resulted perhaps in legislation that was not fully thought through. You saw that in the backlash to the uh, legislation as proposed. The legislation as proposed as well, uh, to, again, go back to that metaphor of the cart before the horse, what you wanted was to have an authority who could speak out independently on environmental issues particularly. And with the National Energy Board, the Canadian Energy Regulator, the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, it, it feels like these three independent organizations are being put in the back of the room when it comes to these types of conversations. Weren't these the ones we were supposed to turn to for an unbiased view of any given project? That's right. I mean, we, we want to separate political decision-making from an independent, expert, science-based assessment of whether there are significant environmental effects or, or not. Um, you know, politicians have uh, various incentives. They're good at doing the political trade-offs if, if uh, there, there need to be values balanced, but that, that shouldn't be the case for every project. Um, only where you're, you're triggering some threshold do you want them involved. You're right, the legislation as proposed sidelined the National Energy Board, the Kane Nuclear Safety Commission, um, and put the impact assessment agency, a revamp of the Kane Environmental Assessment Agency in the driver's seat. And there was discomfort with just how close that that agency was to, to the minister, to the department, whether it truly acted independently. I'm flipping forward a bit, but in the revisions the Senate has made to the legislation, the amendments um, that it, um, it inserted when it passed on third reading the bill last week, uh, dealt with much of this. It, it put uh, the expert life cycle agencies, the Canadian um, Nuclear Safety Commission and what will be the continuation of the National Energy Board, the energy regulator, uh, back in a prominent role when, you know, approving projects or reviewing projects under uh, their jurisdiction. And it, it also affirmed the institutional independence of the to-be impact assessment agency of Canada. Um, it it uh, places provisions in the act that clearly make that agency separate from the minister and not subject to the minister's direction. That's important for the very reason that you you highlighted. You don't want to conflate political uh, political decision making with an independent evaluation. But are you confident that we have that separation of church and state now? The act is as amended by the Senate goes a good way to doing that. There's always going to be uh, operational questions on the ground, and the the act does envision revamping. Um, the, the current responsibilities, um, you know, and, and recreating the National Energy Board as the Canadian Energy Regulator, transitioning the Canadian Environmental Assessment Agency into the new IAC. There are going to be logistical challenges, I think, but the Act, as amended, clearly establishes the uh, independence of these these agencies and puts this significant threshold back in for 
uh, political decision maker like the minister or cabinet um, weighing in. Again, the the previous act, the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act 2012, uh, had that significant threshold dividing the recommendation from the the independent assessment agency with uh, from the uh, any political decision making that would follow on. The government's proposed legislation did away with that. The Senate wisely has put that significant. Uh, threshold back in before political decision-making can happen. As part of this whole process, um, and to the point that you raised at the beginning about the, the $100 billion drop we saw in, in the value of future projects that would be undertaken post-2015, a lot of that had to do with the shooting down of projects because of the lack of discussions with Indigenous peoples. Are you comfortable that Bill C-69 is accurately and efficiently updating the guidance for federal officials to ensure that they are consulting with this critical community. Yeah, and, and the the push on the duty to consult is an important one. And, and we really should separate that issue from uh, what's in Bill C-69. I think there was this pitch that um, the legislation was going to address the problems we'd seen with Northern Gateway, with uh, the Trans Mountain expansion. Um, you know, in that case, that was a failure under a constitutional requirement uh, for for the duty to consult um, by respective governments. And the um, the egregious thing about particularly the Trans Mountain um, Trans Mountain failure was that it mirrored the exact problems that the Federal Court of Appeal had identified uh, when quashing Northern Gateway. Um, it was it was like the present federal government hadn't read the earlier decision, which was out at the time that they were doing the consultations for for Trans Mountain, um, and just did the same kind of, in, in the words of the court, note taking consultations um, that, that the federal court of appeal had said were off, offside in the, the Northern Gateway decision in Gitzala. Um, but but to separate these issues, I mean these this requirement for fulfilling the duty to consult is constitutional. You can't legislate around it. Into Bill C-69 had been put a number of considerations relevant to Indigenous consultation and uh, the accommodation of Indigenous rights. That was already required in, in previous, uh, in, in the previous Canadian Environmental Assessment Act. So, you know, pushing that this legislation was required by the failure to meet this um, this duty was was a red herring. You you already had to do it, uh, and it, it's an aspect that um, of decision making that the legislation can't quite cover because it it is sort of common law and constitutionally required. Um, I mean, to make that more express, in, in as, as I described in the um, in the previous framework under Canadian Environmental Assessment Act 2012, you. Um, you had that uh, initial agency or, or review panel determination of w whether there were significant adverse environmental effects. And then it went to the minister or cabinet to determine whether those were justified. In both Northern Gateway and uh, Trans Mountain, you, you had decision, political decision-making, um, the final approval of the, the project, um, occurring after the review panel or National Energy Board 
uh, process was done um, that fell offside of the duty to consult. I mean, that, that was on cabinet to ensure that after the, the assessment had been done, making their final decision, they adequately consulted. The legislation can't totally prescribe that. That's kind of on-the-ground policy implementation by federal officials. As you said, there's a gap here, uh, a policy gap, and it, it relates to the failure to update the guidance for federal officials uh, doing this consultation on the ground. What, though, of consultation generally? Because you write that Bill C-69 appears to invite submissions on broad policy concerns into the review process, not just the concerns of that explicit project. That's right. And, and I think that that's an additional concern um, about the legislation, some of these factors that are included around whether the project uh, enables Canada to meet its uh, commitments in respect of climate change globally. Um, this was very confusing to industry. It's not clear, you know, the scope that this invites into the uh, into the review process for an individual project. Um, again, it, it conflates project review with these matters of of policy that are that are far outside any any particular project. So your concern here is that during the review process, you would have individuals or groups coming forward muddying the waters of the discussion with broader policy topics as opposed to what is specific to this project. So, I mean, to make it express, um, you know, an, a, an oil sands mine expansion or a, um, you know, a new gas plant, are, are these going to, are, are these review proceeds for these, these projects going to um, have submissions about the adequacy of carbon pricing throughout the federation to meet to enable Canada to meet its its greenhouse gas targets. I mean these are questions important questions for public policy but they're beyond an individual project. So with that in mind you are fearful that we're going to see a bogging down of the process which would ultimately lead to fewer projects being approved regardless as to whether the independent authorities on the matter say that this is generally within acceptable parameters. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we had a bunch of new, unclear factors proposed in the, the legislation. There was this scope for um, political decision-making, and there was this question around, we'll call it standing, who participates in a particular proceeding, uh, notwithstanding the, the risk of blowout of, of timelines for from uh, discretionary uh, extensions of uh, of the time to make decisions, and all of this, I think, taken together, w would have a, a you know project proponent throwing up their hands and saying, "I it's political risk that I, I I just can't bear." That was what was being heard actively from um, particularly the energy sector, and certainly from investors looking at backing projects in Canada. Um, it, it wasn't even just a pricing of risk. I mean, this is worth so many basis points. It was a, th this, th this is too muddy for uh, me to wade in. And so the concern here is that this is just going to discourage investment in Canada. This is the concern. Uh, again, though, I think the Senate has taken a really careful look at this. It was impressive, the degree of open consultations the Senate Committee on uh, the Environment and Natural Resources did across the country. 
the degree to which the senators dug into the legislation and the amendments that they've proposed show that thoughtfulness, um, balancing the need for environmental assessments that hold proponents to a high standard for you know, the information they provide, the, de um, the degree to which they mitigate potentially uh, significant environmental effects, and, um, and, and enable those stakeholders who are directly affected to participate in proceedings. So as we talk about how a bill becomes a law, third reading is behind us, what's next? It's now going back to the House. Of course, the uh, present government has a majority, so we'll, in the House, decide whether uh, and what bill goes forward. They're up against the clock. I believe the last sitting day is June 23rd um, for the House, so um, they're, they're going to have to make some rapid decisions about whether they accept what the Senate puts forward or has, has put back to them and what they modify further. I, I think the Senate has done a thoughtful job. There are some uh, there are some great people on the Senate with terrific exp expertise uh, in regulatory design. The senators heard widely from across Canada, and you had buy-in to the amendments that were proposed from um, senators across the aisle. Of course, in the Senate, the I mean, the senators, the independent senators, were appointed by the present Liberal government or not a liberal caucus per se, um, but there, there was broad consensus among the sort of two, uh, two caucuses in the, in the Senate around the amendments that they put back to the House. One always has to be careful about an unelected body um, uh, trumping the uh, guidance from a, or the, the decision-making of, of an elected body. The, the House, of course, are elected members of Parliament. Well, they call it the, the, the Chamber of Sober Second Thought for exactly. a reason, though. Um, and with the time crunch that this current government is facing uh, before it, it rises, and then, of course, we have an election, how likely is it that Bill C-69 actually sees the light of day as law? I mean, this is now in the government's camp. Uh, again, the, the last sitting day, I believe, is June 23rd. They're going to have to make some rapid decisions. There will probably be some political calculus here as to whether they, um, whether they try to re revise the legislation back to how they originally proposed it and, you know, perhaps please uh, some, some groups that... Uh, they may uh, want to have the support of in the election, or if they, uh, you know, in the interest of the um, country's economy, move forward with the, the legislation as it's been amended by the Senate, which uh, I would suggest is the, uh, the right way to proceed, given uh, the thoughtful redesign that the Senate has proposed. Sounds like there's a sort of Damocles hanging over this bill. I think that's right. They're up against, the government is up against the clock. Um, in, in some ways, they, they put themselves there. Um, this bill could have been more carefully designed. It could have uh, accommodated the, uh, the concerns that have been raised by particularly the energy sector in an earlier stage. And I think the government could have recognized that there were some conceptual problems with what they we're proposing too much political discretion, awaiting outside of uh, the federal jurisdiction, um, and and this risk of blowout of timelines and uncertainty that uh, I think 
created the backlash we saw. Grant, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you, Michael. It's been terrific to speak with you today. Grant Bishop is an Associate Director of Research at the C.D. Howe. He joined us from the Institute's offices in downtown Toronto. Still to come from the C.D. Howe. Housing regulations. Too much of a good thing? On June 21st, the Institute hosts Brian Peterson, the Director of the Real Estate Sector Stability Division at the Bank of Canada. Benjamin Tao, the Deputy Chief Economist at CIBC, and David Wilkes, the President and CEO of the Building Industry and Land Development Association, will join him. Later, the future of Alberta's crude by rail arrangements. On June 25th, in the Calgary office, James Cairns, the Senior VP of Rail-Centric Supply at Canadian National Railway, will offer insight into constrained pipeline capacity and construction delays, and what it means for the increased focus on crude by rail. This is Alberta's new government has indicated it may cancel the previous government's plan to increase rail capacity over concerns it may impact private sector investment. I'm Michael Hainsworth. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the C.D. Howe Institute podcast with Michael Hainsworth. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. The C.D. Howe Institute is an independent, not-for-profit research institute whose mission is to raise living standards by fostering economically sound public policies. The Institute is widely considered to be Canada's most influential think tank and a trusted source of essential policy intelligence, distinguished by nonpartisan, evidence-based research and subject to definitive expert review. Visit cdhow.org and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you.